You're great. We're recording. I'm going to pull up my list of stuff. And I've got a list. Okay. Oh, do you? I do, but it's in my head. Oh. Um, should we should we tell on ourselves that we recorded earlier, uh, like a couple days ago, and we were both very low energy? Yeah, I was sick. Yeah. Which you didn't even say. I just thought you were like mad at me. Not really. <laughs> mad at you. I'm always mad I mean, at you. That makes and for I good content. I still bring so much magic. I know. Uh, I was. Oh, hi, Lori. Hi. Uh, this is Carbface. Welcome back, listener. Welcome to Carbface. It's a podcast about food. Yeah. Food journalism sometimes. Sometimes. High chews. Yep. Hygiene and mm. lack thereof. Lack thereof. Uh. Mm. And then some th- real throwback topics from the re- really back, way back from sure, the vault. Sure. Dicks and yogurt. Yeah, dicks and yogurt. Mm-hmm. It came back to the forefront this mm-hmm. week when we're recording. You posted something about dicks and yogurts yes. and dicks and lamb. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, so I, um, I was trying to figure out if we could. <clears throat> excuse me. Mm. <clears throat> mm. Oy. Mm. I might need one of those Ricola. Um, I was trying. Thank you. I was trying to figure out if we could submit this podcast for a James Beard Award consideration. Sure. Uh, and so I was listening to old episodes, thinking like, what's the best? Because you can su- you submit one uh, episode no longer than sixty minutes, which knocks many of our episodes out of the sure running. Sure does. Sure does. Uh, but the ones that are shorter, I was listening to and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a new era for everyone, but I don't know that the awards committee is ready to hear us, me, talking about sticking my dick, which I don't have yet, into yogurt or lamb shoulder or any other thing. Like every episode had what I'll call a deal breaker, uh-huh. like just a you know hot vat of diarrhea, or <laughs> you know um, penetrating a dairy product mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. you know a penis or mm-hmm. just something where I felt like. I don't want to waste their time and uh, I don't want to waste our money. And I'm, and I'm not sure if we're actually eligible to um, submit for free. If, you, if you've never submitted before, you can submit for free. I've submitted. Okay. You've submitted for your Twitter. You've I've submitted. S- I've submitted my own articles, but I don't know if the two of us as an entity are a whole separate being. Right. Did we miss the free period though? We missed the, the straight up free period. Straight yeah, up it was, free. It was after right. October 29th. Right. But if we've never submitted before. So I don't know. I feel like. I nah. feel like we're skirting the rules. We're and skirting the rules. I think and they come back to us. And considering in, in a future episode, people will hear we have executive mm. director of strategy. Is uh, that his role? Something. Yeah. Mitchell Davis. Yeah. Mitch, Mitchell Davis yeah. from. The James Beard Foundation. Sure. So I feel like we had him on as a guest. Yeah. He brought us so many snacks. Yeah, it would be scummy. I mean, as I've, he made very clear, he's got nothing to do with choosing uh, the who wins the awards. But we'll just keep our hands clean. Right. On but that he one. Choo- and as I explained to him, he chooses the choosers who choose well, the choosers. And so <laughs> he, in a sense, I mean, did God start the world spinning? No. Right. But it was his idea. He farted. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and which created the wind. And that is my religion. That is <laughs> beautiful. That's my creation story. That is beautiful. Um, hey, how was your weekend? My weekend was horrible. I sat Great. in a chair. Oh. I sat in a chair. Uh, and do you, 
had a horrible, horrible cold, mm. which my family's passed around mm-hmm. to each other as a family sometimes does. Sharing in is this, caring. Uh, it's just a horrible, nasty cold. And I, my voice last week dropped about two octaves. Yep. And was scaring many people. Yeah. But many people thought I would make a good radio announcer. Mm-hmm. Many people who don't know about this podcast. And Ugh. I said, well, I can prove you wrong. <laughs> I am terrible at this. <laughs> I'm awful. Take a listen. Absolutely unlistenable. You had actually described your voice as Cliss, as like Cliss oh, was levels. very Cliss. Yeah. But like uh, Cliss after a a long, an extended weekend, like a Columbus so Day poppers. weekend. Of so many poppers. poppers. Yeah. All the poppers. Yep. Yep. In fact, if I relax a little bit, I can get very close. How does a person administer poppers? I'm not saying that you I have ever they're done inhaled. that. they're inhaled. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, For some I, reason, I think they go in the butt because they relax your butthole. I think they relax muscles as a okay. whole. I'm not a not a popper's expert. Close sure, is. Sure. If you'd like to talk to him, I can get him here. But uh, is he from, ready? What is he ready? Close. Oh. Uh, he's almost ready. Right. Like well, he's he's yeah. kind of perking up. And he's anytime in. you talk about poppers and cocaine, he yeah. really starts to get just he dances a little bit. Sure, dances a little. Bit. <laughs> <coughs> I believe it relaxes muscles as a whole. Okay. Uh, I don't know that for sure. Right. You've never done any drugs. Can is that? I, I've never. Just say that for your I've children. <laughs> never done drugs that haven't been prescribed to me. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, so I think what I would say is the butthole is affected, mm-hmm. but that may be because all the muscles are affected. Right. I don't think it's a targeting, I don't think it's a butthole targeting okay. stimulant or relaxer depressant. But I do, from my understanding, mm. uh, poppers are something that are, that's a, it's a, it's a party drug that is popular among uh, people who have anal sex. People who, who do it in the butt. Yeah. That is my understanding yeah. as well. That's my understanding as well. I would love <laughs> if we have any pop, any poppers experts. You're welcome to to come on. My yeah. understanding is it's VCR cleaner. That's how they VCR, VCR cleaner. Head, VCR head cleaner. Oh that's how it's that's how it's marketed. I like that you have the information. Sure. Uh, it's not it's not something you've it's not applied information it's not learned information right. it's just something you've picked up along the way well if you listen to Dan Savage long enough oh, you okay. learn right okay. quite a bit Savage Love will yeah. explain so much wow about life experiences that you don't have sure sure but that others have had for you I should I should listen and yet I feel like I, I my dance card is full when it comes to podcasts right. how about you Lori how was your weekend my weekend, uh, it was pretty good, I have to say. I oh, had uh, I had my great. first uh, dinner party that did not involve children. Um, and it was extremely low-key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it involved a cat on a table. Uh-huh. And removing the cat from the table many times. Uh, I had two guests. And um, I, I, I still... I, and everyone left by 9.30. Great. Uh, which honestly is like... Big win. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Are they see. friends of the pod? Uh, yes, one of them is okay. Allison, who sat oh. in on Mitchell's um, interview. So shout out to Allison. And Hi, the Allison. other one is Lily, who blessedly has nothing to do with the food business. Good. Yeah. So shout She's out to Lily. Keep her as a friend. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so I did that. What I, did you make? Uh, well, I bought a roasted chicken in my neighborhood mm-hmm. because you just can't. I right. mean, there's just so much good roasted chicken in Jackson. Honestly, I think Jackson Heights is the roasted chicken capital of the world. I didn't know that. Uh, so I did that. And then Sunday I went to uh, Dim Sum in Manhattan, Chinatown. Your pictures and, uh, were nice. Oh, thanks. Uh, my friend was a few minutes late, so I and I was starving, so I, I I ate before the dim sum, which is like a real rookie move. But I was like, if I don't eat and I go in there and we have to wait and maybe it's a few minutes, like I'm gonna either cry, right. or punch somebody, right, right, right. or like tip a table over, or you know, honestly, none of those things. But so I I laid a base and then. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we were two people, which is sort of not a great dim sum number. Uh You know, it's better to go with a big group, but we were just two. They put us in this little table in the corner, and it was up on sort of a lipped, a small stage. Great. And uh, because I think this room also hosts, I don't know, weddings and stuff when they're not doing Sunday morning dim sum. So they put us up there. And I remember being, I looked at it, and I was kind of like, I hope this is going to all work out. And uh, we're talking, we're chatting, and then about 30 minutes into the the experience my friend backs up just a little too much and his chair tipped over backwards into a family behind us um came real close to like totally flattening a child and god bless the family at that table they did not give a fuck the kids the one kid was like mildly amused for a second (laughs) the parents did not look up so you know there's still some hope in this world for people who aren't gonna like press charges because you're you know you killed their child at dim sum like just (laughs) put it on the check put it on the check anyway Lori hey (laughs) (laughs) I need a signature greeting I I feel like you've that's it yeah I'm not sure I could replicate that one. You went to Food Town. Hi. Uh, I went to Food Town this morning. What Um, happened? Well, I I forget if I told you about this or not. Uh, But Friday, so I went to visit. I went to visit the Autumn Mix, (laughs) which I'm I'm gonna (laughs) sort of just keep visiting it, and and I sincerely doubt it's ever gonna be sold. Uh So uh, I I, what I realize now is Food Town has become a little bit of a clearinghouse for like old stuff, and like (laughs) I realized it when I saw the like. Frozen brand, uh, when I say Frozen, I mean the Disney film, uh, Frozen brand cheese sticks yeah. on a rack of, um, they have these racks, which I basically, are they're garbage racks. So it's like mostly f- dried fruit and nuts and then just like some random shit. So it's, I'm enjoying sort of seeing like, what's the random thing that's going to be on? So I went on Friday and there was a bag of like fancy, I forget the name, but it's like some fancy brand of candy autumn mix, which is to say mm. candy corn and, you know, lis- listeners know candy corn, maybe some pumpkins and shit. It looked quite like it was not from this Halloween. It was from like, we're talking maybe a 2016 <laughs> offering. Um, it was quite a quite a scuffed up bag. A lot of the candy was cracked and stuff. Uh, so I was like, of course, you know, my eye went right to it. And I was like, should I buy this? You know. <laughs> who doesn't love an antique bag of candy uh and i i went to look at the price on the back and the price tag was from marshall's which was not the store that i was in uh which is you know a a place that itself gets like you know rejects and Mm -hmm. off off things and they get you know they take that's a clearinghouse department store basically so somehow this bag of candy had started somewhere good ostensibly back in you know the 
Bush era and then <laughs> ended up at Marshall's, got beat up and then somehow ended up in my food town. Uh, so it was there Friday. I, I resisted buying it. And then this morning I went back and uh, went and went looking for it and it was still there. How much? So, Three dollars. I mean, feels like too much. Well, yeah, it was it was, you know, it was a good I would say it was like a good 12 to 16 ounces of candy. So but still it was, you know, it should have there should be some some age discount. Yeah. You know, these things don't it's not like beef. This shit does not age well. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I will continue to follow the saga of that. Let us know. Candy. Please. Um, also, and I took a picture of this. Uh, there were just some random Christmas trees in the middle of Food Town, <laughs> just like in the middle of the produce aisle. Just like, sure. but like one Christmas tree right. and with a price tag on it. And then later, like among the styrofoam boats of pork and shit, just a, a Christmas tree. Like, I, just I'm just trying to understand the the thinking behind it. Like. You're, you're, you've got your hand cart or you've got your push cart or whatever. Like, oh, let's just throw in a $70 Christmas tree, a six-foot Christmas tree. Let me just put that in my shopping cart. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I love, I'm learning so much about merchandising from this store. But what did you buy? What did I buy at Food Town? Yeah. I bought milk and I bought all the makings for uh, the same dish that I talked about before with the tomatillos and the chicken and the cilantro. Yeah. Uh, and I bought some almond milk and that's pretty much it. I stuck, I had to, I was like, I need to make dinner tonight for me and my son. I need milk Mm -hmm. and I need almond milk. Mm -hmm. And so I was really disciplined, um, about it. And I didn't want, you know, normally I end up with a lot of extra shit. And then you have to carry it home. And then I have to, and I have to carry it home. Yeah. And I had a whole cup of coffee in my, that I also had to carry. So oh, and balance that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in a coffee cup or like a normal. It was in a bag. Okay. It was in a Ziploc oh. bag. Yeah, I had a, I had a straw in it. I had a bunch and then a bunch of holes, and I just held it over my head and <laughs> took a, a coffee shower. Yeah, it was in a cup. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what the other options would be. I had it in a catheter. <laughs> Because that's how right. I like to. Uh, that's how you do it. Take it. Sure. Yes, it really relaxes my butthole uh-huh. <laughs> and my urethra. <laughs> coffee sounding. Look for coffee sounding as a hot new sex trend for uh, 2019. Do you know what sounding is? No. It's when you uh, stick a thin metal rod into your urethra. Oh. It's a sex thing. Is it? Yeah. I have Does been it told. Have to be? Let me be very Does it have clear. To pee? Does it have to be what? Does it have to be a sex thing? Well, I mean, I'm not sure what other purposes. Radio it would antenna, serve. something. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, sure, a new broadcasting. Better method. reception. Yep, yep. <laughs> get the rods out. It's cloudy. We're not going to get PBS tonight. Antiques Roadshow is on. Is that show still on? It sure is. Well, I'm sure we'll see that bag of autumn mix show up at some point. Hi, Lori. Hello. I like your shirt. Thank you. It is a Haichu shirt. Mm. It was part of the massive swag bag we got from our friends at Haichu. It looks great. It doesn't, but thank you. Uh, we have guests. We do uh, one so of them's many. going to talk. Yes. But then there are five five other people. We've never we have had masking s- tape on their mouths. Yeah, they're doing pretty good. They're doing We've pretty had, good. Never had such a full room. It's very never. exciting and a little scary. It is. Uh, I've warned three of them that I might swear, and they are not to say anything. Okay. 
Okay. Right. I, the other two, I've not told. That. <laughs> I might swear. You can say whatever you want and make me stop. All right. I feel like I will definitely swear. Oh, sure. Okay. Do you want to swear now? Fuck yes. Okay. <laughs> Great. Good start. Uh, we, we do have a guest that's going to be on the <laughs> microphone. And she's she's dying to talk. Let's make her wait longer. No, oh, okay. that's so mean. <laughs> and by that laugh, you, you should know she's exactly. She just who introduced it is. herself via her laugh. Uh, tell us your name. I'm Samin Samin Nasrat. And we would know you from Twitter. No, I don't. know. <laughs> yes, yes, that is where we met. Uh, I made a book called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, mm-hmm, and it became mm-hmm. a show starring oh. my laugh. on netflix.com on netflix.com well great it's been great having you thank you for coming (laughs) it was awesome this is it the best people in this room oh were the kids i know i agree Mm. i agree uh samin thank you so much for coming Oh, this has been a life dream. Life dream. Sure. It doesn't, doesn't get any better, does For it? For our four stoner listeners, it's, it's all coming true. I always say that, but, uh, but I we've think got it's like true. six to ten, maybe now. Six to ten stoner yeah. listeners? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. True. True. Um, can we just start asking you? I have so many questions. You can say whatever you want. Okay. I'm going to adjust. Right. All right. So I listened last night while I was cleaning my bathroom. I listened to your interview with um, the people at Eater. And it was recorded the day before the series premiered. And so there was a lot of discussion about you were about to become Netflix famous. Oh, yeah. So can you so now it's been about a month. Can you tell us like what has the past month been like? Has it just been insanity? Every five seconds, somebody like yesterday, I came out of a coffee shop. And I was running late to a thing, and between which was around the corner, and between the coffee shop and the place, I got stopped four times for pictures. Wow! Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, um, I mean, it's probably the peak of it now. I, I would imagine, like, sure. it's very, you know. But even and until last night, I was saying it's happened everywhere. Like, people stop every everywhere and want to tell me a story and have a picture, and I want to have a moment too. And um, the only one place that was like very sacred where that had not yet happened mm-hmm. was actually on the subway train. You uh, know, it had happened uh-huh. at the subway station, but I feel like New Yorkers have this understanding that the train is sacred, yep. right? Yeah, sure. Private Although time. this morning somebody did it on the train. Oh, God. <laughs> Two people. <laughs> yeah. and that's hard because you can't, like, there's no natural end to that interaction. Like, Unless you like, yeah, because then you're like, just stop. Yeah. And yeah. Then, what, I guess I could have left the car and then exited and gone on to the next car. <laughs> Which I, personally, I definitely yeah. would have done. Yeah, yeah. I'm always looking for an exit strategy. So, but you seem like you are sort of naturally like people. And so is it, well, Is I'm also like the most intense misanthrope of all time, which Chris very no- interesting. Knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so um, I do very much love people, and I very much love that the show and something about me makes them want to cook, mm-hmm. yeah. and that they want to share that with me. But I do have like I'm realizing there are limits on my sanity and energy for sure, yeah. and. Um, that's going to be an interesting thing for me to navigate and try and figure out how to create boundaries and protect myself, but also without being a jerk, you know? And I think one thing I know a few like television and movie actors and I've seen them in public, how they navigate it. Mm -hmm. But I think most people know when they see, I don't know, 
the guy who played Spider-Man on the street that he's not Spider-Man. Yeah. Whereas when they see me on the street, they feel like they know me. And you're and not Spider-Man. And in some ways they do know but me. But you're not Spider-Man. No, but I'm not Spider-Man yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you don't have a character and to so, hide behind. Yeah. So it's just me and they like me and they feel like they know me. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And, you know, it's it's also, if I do my job right, you feel like I'm your friend in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And mm-hmm. I want that for you. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to, I just, it's going to be an interesting next thing to figure out. Wow. Have you been traveling around in the past month promoting? Mostly or? just um, New York, LA, and home, and, okay. which is Berkeley. Uh-huh. And then um, I went to Yosemite for a few days, which I was really excited. I was like, oh, nice. I'll go to Yosemite. There's no internet there. There's no reception. Like, no one will know who I am. Mm-hmm. And then people in Yosemite knew who I was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, which is fine, but yeah. yeah. It's just that Netflix is like global, instant, simultaneous, yeah. you yep. know. Yeah. It's wild. It's bananas. <laughs> I um I used to work with Anthony Bourdain and uh, I just always remember uh, watching him. We got into an elevator in Tokyo and um, we had been out in Tokyo for dinner and s- somehow like nobody noticed him or it just was like you just kind of we went unnoticed and then we got back to the hotel where it was mostly westerners and a lot of people noticed him when we got into an elevator and this woman was like oh my god you know just so excited to see him and i watched him and he did this thing where he made noises but never actually said a word he sort of <laughs> pantomimed with noise the act of talking while never actually saying anything it was just kind of this like uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it was so interesting, and it gave her what she wanted. She uh-huh. felt like she was getting something from him. He was not saying anything. And then we got off, like before our floor, we got off because he was like, "I gotta get out of here." But yeah. it was like that is one way. That's to a great way to do, do it. it. You That's know, a good way. You just sort of a make bunch some of nonverbals. And, yeah, uh, make some like out. word-like noises, and you know, and then just get the fuck out. Well, it's like this podcast. A yeah. Lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. like- Grunts and whistles <laughs> and yeah, chewing noises. Uh, one of the things that has has started to come out, I think, over the last two weeks that I want I want to talk about, and you don't have to react to. I just want to talk about it. Um, so I'm going to monologue. <laughs> Everybody, sit yeah. back. Your sit part back. is done. Sit back. Uh, people are calling you the next Anthony Bourdain, and that I I think I know what that is, what people mean by that, but. I don't think we need a next Anthony Bourdain. I think we need Samin. Mm-hmm. And we need a lot of other people mm-hmm. who aren't white men traveling the world. We need to see other people exploring the world and exploring food. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to comment sure. on that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This, um, I think the converse, that specific conversation mm-hmm. wasn't at all on our minds when we were making the show because it was before he passed away. Right. And so um, it never occurred to me to be anything. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in general, in my life, it doesn't really often occur to me very often to be anything other than myself. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't really want to be anybody else. Good. I, Good. <laughs> I, I, I definitely, in fact, last night I was just telling a group of people, I'm more, you know, he did so many incredible like i for me the iran episode was so moving mm-hmm. because it was one of very few um explorations and 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 portrayals of the country where my family's from mm-hmm. that did it that was really honest and very much like showed the people and yeah. was not um very sensationalistic and I, I imagine that he did that for a lot of other people's mm-hmm. cultures and countries and i really appreciate that 
And also, like to me, at no point did it occur to me to ever go into anyone's home or yeah. anyone's kitchen and tell them anything. It, we, I was going there to be curious and ask them and learn mm -hmm. from them. Mm -hmm. And probably that has to do with the fact that I am like a brown, I was a brown kid who grew up in a really white place and yep. I'm a woman and I'm also just a dorky, curious person who like wants to learn your way and your way and then go home and make my own decisions about that. But mm -hmm. I'm not gonna travel halfway across the world to tell you how I do something, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I, again, like there's so many things that we very intentionally did in making the show. And there are so many things that it was just me being me. And I, I am a little bit in a bubble and shielded from all of the tidal wave of responses coming because it's mm -hmm. just so much I can't really take it all in. But um, I, I'm so struck by how um, people seem to really respond to the fact that I'm just me. And that's mm -hmm. really the awesome thing is that things that weren't necessarily intentional choices seem to be landing on people as as mm -hmm. as moving, you mm -hmm. know, and mm -hmm. I, I love that. Did you set out to make a cooking show? I mean, there's, obviously there's a lot of travel, but it's it's a cooking show at yeah. heart, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it was an interesting conversation that we kept coming always back to. And to me, in my mind, it was, you know, the main kernel of the book is teach you how to cook, how to understand cooking so mm -hmm. you can cook. And so that was, to, that was what I pictured would be the kernel of the show too, but that we would um, use travel and use the idea that like this is a universal philosophy that we can prove by going to all these places and showing, yeah, oh, yeah. it works in Japan, it works in Mexico, it works wherever we go. And um, so travel was sort of just a beautiful filmmaking technique, you know, mm -hmm. for it. Um, and also really exciting to me, but even, and anytime we'd start to go down, uh, um, I would get often, you know, I, I get distracted really easily by like, I get excited and I want to go, well, I get to go to Japan. I've never been there. So I want to go do all these things. And so I would be like, let's do all these things. And all, always Netflix was like, remember, you're not making a travel show. You're making a cooking show. So mm. this isn't mm. about watching you go on the roller coaster or watching you do whatever things right. that you wacky things you want to do. This is about you cooking. And like, so, and even as we made it, it was a work in progress. And at the beginning, people had told me like, you don't know what a show is until you're done with the first season. Like it's mm. kind of a t trial right. and error. And that I think even is apparent in the way that the episodes really are so distinct. And I think Italy, we don't even spend that much time in a kitchen. And by right. the time you get to, you know, Berkeley, we're like in the kitchen almost the right, whole time. Right, right. So we sort of figured our way out as, as we went along. It was a really nice progression. I would just like to say that um, if there is a season two, I would like to see you under the olive nets more. Yeah. I, it was <laughs> delightful. <laughs> I did spend a lot. That's very funny because that was one of the notes from the network. They're like, we need more footage under the olive oh, nets. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I want all the outtakes yeah. of that. Because <laughs> you are all in on those yeah. olives. You're all in. You're under the net. You're figuring it, it out. It was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet it was. I mean, it was work. Yeah. It was work. <laughs> It really was. So. Yeah, harvesting is always work, no matter what. <laughs> no sure. matter what. So you know that this is a Haichu show. I know. Uh, oh, someone's already been in well. here. No, I opened it okay. so we wouldn't have rattle rattle. My kids, my kids you are guys here. Can have some, yeah. uh, it's uh, Working Parent Day, uh, where you bring your children to your podcasting tapings, and uh, they they really wanted the sour sketty. So I said, "You got the first piece." But this is a Haichu show. You asked 
specifically though for um, Haribo or Haribo sour. Say it. Sketty. Sketty. It's not spaghetti. It's sketty. No, it's sketty. For sure. Why is sour sketty so good? Yeah. Wh- well, that's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> Move it, folks. It's like the perfect. It's the. Why is it so good? It's like the surface area, mm-hmm. the ratio of, mm-hmm. of surface area to sourness. They're not too long. They're yeah. not so chewy they get super stuck in your teeth. Yeah, it's yeah. not a high high amount of chew. It's not a high amount of chew. You said we're a high chew show, but I want to say until I see a check from those motherfuckers. That's true. We're, we're not. A, we're you know we're high chew family. But high chew enthusiasts. Yeah, they don't own this show. <laughs> we stand high chew for sure. We we could also stand anybody who pays us. What is Stan? I don't want to get into it. Okay. But it is it means, personal? No, because it involves <laughs> Eminem. Oh, really? The rapper. Oh. And Stan song about kind of a crazy fan. Okay. And so then it's been adopted. Okay. I see oh, this on the If you want me to explain any other hip references that are like <laughs> yeah. four years old, I'm I happy don't. to. It's fine. Yeah. I see it. I don't use it because I'm like, I don't know what it means. And I probably, I mean, I do, but I don't. And I'm sure I'll use it wrong. So I, in well, like six years, I'll be all over Stan. To be honest, I. Kushboo <laughs> 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 uh, uh, um, Shaw said that she loves how much we stand for high chew. So I think mm. I really got it from her. I don't want to claim mm-hmm. correct usage. You're mm-hmm. appropriating Stan. I am, I am Uh-oh. appropriating Stan. You're right. <laughs> I certainly am. Why are, Why do you love these so much? Well, first of all, their name is Sour Sketty. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's gelatin in them. Look, I think mm. they're not, because gummy bears have gelatin, which mm-hmm. I also love. But because they don't have gelatin, they don't get stuck in your teeth. Mm, mm-hmm. And I I like how thin they are. Mm. And so that, which I never even thought about the ratio of the sour to the sweet. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm very into the blue. Agreed. Yeah. Blue is best. Um, blue is best. Blue is best. Um, but mostly I just love that they're called sour sketty. Also, I like that they're cut into these, like, it's kind of like if your mom made you spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she cut it in the plate into one inch long pieces. Yes. Oh my God, totally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's very manageable. All right. That um, was great. All right. Can we keep going? Yeah. I want to ask you, you speak a lot of languages, or, or do you speak three languages? I mean, I saw you speak Italian fluently, Spanish. You seem pretty fluent in Spanish. I mean, you were able to yeah, understand. That was, that was the magic of editing. Okay. <laughs> but I noticed there were points where you were speaking English and she was speaking Spanish back to you. But you also seemed to have a good level of comprehension when you guys were walking through the market. And you were, you know, you had your food words down mm-hmm. and your verb tenses. So... Um, What's that about? And do you speak any other languages? I speak Farsi, mm. which is the language I grew up speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of speak English, okay. Mm. <laughs> and then I lived in Italy for two years. Wow. And in part of, for six months, I lived in a really rural place where mm. nobody spoke English. So that was really where I picked up the true Italian. Did you go in speaking no Italian? Or? Um, I took four years of Latin in high school. Okay. So that really sort of created a, a foundation. And mm-hmm. then I took Spanish in high school and college. But then, and so I took a, an accelerated semester of Italian before I went to Italy, mm-hmm. just to learn a few basic things. But I really learned it there. I feel like the best way is to learn when you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the Italian sort of smushed Spanish into a tiny corner of my brain. Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And so now I speak like Spang Italian when I'm in Mexico, <laughs> <laughs> which I kept doing in when we were filming. And they had to be like, "You need to stop trying to speak Spanish because it's 
like these people you're talking to don't understand you. It makes you look really stupid. Oh. <laughs> but I could understand almost everything that was being told. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that was good. It was a fun, it was a fun bonus, especially because I lived in Italy 13 years ago. Mm. So I hadn't been back in 13 years. I couldn't believe how much I had retained in that time. Wow. And it just, I like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was lovely. And I loved that you just started speaking Italian <laughs> mm-hmm. on the episode. And it wasn't, no one stopped to say, Okay, Samin, you have to tell the audience that you know how to speak Italian. Yeah. Like it was just like, yeah, and you're 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 into it. It was just it was crazy. I loved it. Thank you. I loved it. I loved the just really clean transition into it without explanation mm-hmm. and assuming the audience will keep up with you. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Mm-hmm. I have a salt question. Oh yeah. Uh, so there's some school of thought that says you shouldn't salt your meat until just before you cook because it's drawing out all the moisture. Um, and I was like, I was floored. And I've seen, you know, the when you brine your chicken or whatever day in advance. But I was surprised to see, bring the meat home, bring the short ribs home, salt them. And maybe you don't cook them for a day. Um, is there any concern about, does the drawing out of the moisture intensify the flavor? Like, what's the sort of thinking behind that? Okay. I'm going to get some science wrong. I always get this a little That's bit fine. wrong. Right. Okay. We don't check facts here. So okay. go ahead. <laughs> Perfect. We're My not kind of uh, Nathan Miravold. <laughs> no. No. We've, we've discussed this. We're not going to Nathan Miravold the hell out of this. Yeah. We're not going to science the shit out of it. We're going to get a little bit of light science yeah. and some of it could be wrong. But the general intent of the science yeah. about yeah, yeah. to be explained is correct. behind the science yeah. is right. So it should be. Science-ish. Science-ish. That should be my new show. Um, Okay, so I do... So, yes, it's true that salt does draw out water. Mm -hmm. And um, apparent... And so I think if the question for me is, I think about every situation differently. Mm. And that means how much time I have and also what it is that I'm cooking. So if it were, I don't know, a very thin steak, like let's say a flank steak or something, Mm -hmm. I might not... And I didn't have a ton of time. I mm. might just do it. For me, the flavor benefits outweigh any like little bit of loss of moisture. And mm. I think we sort of have over, over, over exaggerated how much water you think is is being lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, yes, some water does come out. But mm-hmm. if you give it enough time, like some hours, six or eight or overnight, the kinds of other changes that happen inside end up actually leading to a much moister piece of meat. And it has to do, this is where I'm going to get my science a little bit wrong, mm-hmm. with the salt sort of um, disabling some of the proteins so that they turn into a gel. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, because proteins are like little things that float in water Mm -hmm. and so it sort of turns the water that they're in into a gel and the meat ends up retaining that Uh longer and then also you get the flavor benefit of the salt going all the way in Mm. instead of just being on top Mm -hmm. which for me is the really incredible thing sorry i'm like you're fine i keep so what i'm gonna say no you're fine uh i think i posted on twitter that that Samin taught me how to treat my meat better and then that and i wrote it with just I didn't mean any of that. And then I'm like, eh, this felt bad. Um, <laughs> this is why I don't go on Twitter anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because who knows what I'm saying. Uh, but I started using that principle. You sent me an advanced copy of the book with no page numbers in it. So flipping around <laughs> is always fun with it. Do yes, I sell you a real no, book? No, I bought, okay. a, <laughs> bought a real version of your book. Uh, but I've started salting the meat when I get it. 
with that principle and everything tastes so much better. So it much just better. does. Yeah. It just does. And so even if it's like an extra 15 minutes, I know that I tried. Mm-hmm. And then if it's an hour or two, it makes a huge difference. I mean, and this is also what people call dry brining, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. especially now with Thanksgiving mm-hmm. coming up. Sorry if this is going to stay post Thanksgiving. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, yeah, dry dry brining is just pre-salting. It's yeah. the exact same idea. So when you brine and you put stuff in water, there's wa- when water goes out, other water comes in. And when you dry brine, you just don't get that other water coming in. But it, after some point, usually like the meat will start clinging better to its own water. If you and look at that's all I think we can I, want out of life, totally. honestly. Meat cling, meat, meat, meat clinging to its own water. water. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> better. <laughs> it's like a. I think I did an experiment at some point because I was so paranoid about all the well actuallys I was going to get, oh, you know. Yeah. And so I think at one point, I've, I think I've blocked a lot of the memories of testing the recipes for the book. But I think at one point I did do a thing where I weighed. I like um, I bought some steaks. I salted some, I didn't salt others, I weighed how much water came out and over time. And it really was so minuscule, the difference, mm. that the, it was all about flavor in the long run. Have I convinced you? you also, I didn't, invent, I didn't invent this, like for sure, Judy Rogers right. 10 years before me and you know whoever she learned that from. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. no, you don't have to convince me, yeah. it works great. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, Judy Rogers learned everything she knows from Guy Fieri, right? Isn't yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah, probably yeah, yeah. the circle yeah. of life yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's traditions. Wow, yeah. so he's yeah. my mentor's mentor. Yes. If you think okay, about it, yes. you have been to Flavortown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. a descendant yeah. of Flavortown. <laughs> Is Judy Ro- was Judy Rogers your mentor? No, mm-hmm. no, I think in ideas, ah, for sure, uh-huh. and, and um, in precision. And so many people that I worked with had worked with her. Mm-hmm. And I heard so many amazing stories. One of my favorite ones was that she tasted, she would like, in her, at her restaurant at Tasters would taste a salad and be like, that needs seven grains more of salt. Like oh so God. specific, wow. you know? <laughs> yeah. Now you learned, you said you, you learned to cook at Chez Panisse, is mm-hmm. that right? So you came in with no Nothing. skills? Nothing. And how did you get them to let you come in the door that way? A lot of bamboozling. Well, mostly <laughs> ran, mostly resil- like I just re- refused to disappear. Yeah. Um, but I was a busser. I wrote a letter and I got a job as a busser. Okay. And then pretty immediately within like I think I have a journal from that time. So oh. I remember like it was within I think the first two or three weeks I was asking them to work in the kitchen. Because even as a busser the very first day or very first job like you they walk you through the kitchen which is so beautiful and lined with copper walls. And you go into the dining room and you have to, I had to vacuum the floor and then shine the silverware. And it's just like, there's this florist making the most beautiful flower arrangement. I mean, I was a 19 year old kid from the San Diego suburbs. Like I had never seen such beautiful, like refined anything, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, other than my 3000 year old culture that I come from, but like, (laughs) but white people's version of that. And so... (laughs) It was very breathtaking and very enchanting. And the food also just tasted so good. And in that restaurant, the cooks are at the top of the pyramid of respect. Like Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, and certainly at that time, it was like 1999, 2000. The restaurant had been around like not quite 30 years. So, so many of the people who worked there had worked there for 20 years. You know, they were really, really masterful cooks who I just you just watching them was amazing. So pretty immediately I started begging them to let me in and they just kept saying no. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then eventually they were like you don't know anything. You need to know a few things before we can even let you volunteer. So here's a list of books. 
go read these pay attention um when you're when you're working pay attention to how the cooks move pay attention when they have tasters to what they're tasting and talking about with the chefs and like start tasting more carefully and also cook at home and at that time i was still in college Mm -hmm. and i lived in this funny apartment building it's funny like what you live in when you're in college yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was and the building is still there i mean i still live in berkeley like two miles away and i'm like god god 20 years later like kids are still living in that thing that looks like it's made out of cardboard you know and the kitchen had like a electric stove that barely worked we didn't have a cast iron pan one of my roommates had a cast iron um kamal and i was too cheap to buy a pan so i would use this like lipless pan (laughs) to make chicken and all the fat would (laughs) flow over the sides and I learned to make mayonnaise we didn't have a whisk like we were so cheap we didn't have a whisk so I'd use two forks back to back and I made mayonnaise like that you know and I remember one of the first big projects I made um, lasagna like I made bechamel and I made the pasta and I made the ragu and like I made this lasagna and had my friends over for dinner and we still talk like it was a big deal for us to be in college and like go to the grocery store and buy all that stuff and but I'm so earnest that I did everything that they told me to do which i don't think they expected that i would do and then i came back six months later you know i was still bussing tables and i was like okay i'm ready and so um so they're like great you can quit your job we won't pay you for two years oh god (laughs) and you can be an apprentice (laughs) and learn how to cook and it really was like the most incredible education i ever could have asked you worked for free at shapenese for two years i think on and off i mean there were like different shifts that i would get and i I, I wasn't full-time there because uh-huh. I couldn't afford to be. So yeah. I worked for, I had two other jobs. Like I, by then I had graduated. So I like stayed on at the UC Berkeley newspaper and I was editor mm. of a section. And then I um, worked for one of my professors. You know, also this was like 1999, 2000, 2001. Like my rent was $330. Oh my God. You know, mm-hmm. my car was like an old car that I had bought for like probably, f- I don't know. $400 like everything yeah. just costs less then yeah. <laughs> yeah and so you could and I was still on the school health insurance oh my god it was just and I got three meals a day like I yeah in okay. a way it was amazing it was and and because to me I'm I come from immigrant background and so like the way you become proficient at something is you mm. go to school for that thing mm. so mm-hmm. to me I was like oh okay I just have to go to culinary school right that's mm. the way then you'll accept me as a real person and um they said, no, don't do that. It's a waste of money. So in a way, I, was, I knew that I was saving the $60,000 yeah. or whatever. And and I, I don't really take issue with the apprenticeship model at mm-hmm. all. Like I, I But um, I hope in my own life and career to create a way to always pay people. Yeah. Well, we're entering that time that we always have to on no. an episode. This SBJ? Yeah, which... <laughs> Given the company, I'm going to be polite, but this is where I heap praise on you, <laughs> you and it makes you uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable. It makes everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What I like about you so much <laughs> are a lot of things that I think will stay. You and I have had a lot of private conversations over a variety of topics. Some of them have been in the news. Um, thank you for being my friend through that. Thank you for being my friend through thank that. Thank you. Um, what I told you when you, here's what I really like about you, your ability to shine a very bright light on other people and be excited by what they're giving you. It, you seem to be very conscious, especially within the show. I think we see this a lot. When people are explaining something to you, you are present. You're filming a TV show. 
and you are present with what they are telling you. And that's, that's incredible. I don't think, I don't know that we see that a lot on TV where somebody isn't thinking, what are my angles and what I look like and (laughs) how's my makeup and what about my hair? And like you have civilians of not in the food world, but are in the food world because they cook and they're giving you something. They're teaching you something and you might already know how to do it, but you don't know how they do it. So you're, you're all in on them and it shines this big, beautiful light on them. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why people love the show. I know it's why I love the show and why I watch the show with my kids. Thank you. Um, Because of that gift that you have to shine a big bright light on other people. Thank you. You know, I think I I have been, I know I've been to a lot of therapy in my life. Okay. And um, it's helped me organize a lot of things and understand a lot of things about my own self. And I think some of the things that I view as like, my greatest pains or traumas in a lot of ways have left me with coping mechanisms that end up being my greatest gifts. Mm -hmm. So for example, like I um, came up, I've always felt like I don't belong. Mm. And you know, like I was a hyphenate kid, like an Iranian American. My mom told us in our house, we were in Iran out there was America. And, um, and if we did, if my brothers or I misbehaved, she'd be like, "Oh, you're acting American," you know, oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had a concept that, like, I want my. I was trying to prove myself as Iranian to my family, mm-hmm. but then I would go to school and be very aware. So when at school, I was like, "Well, I'm not like you. I'm Iranian," but I. It just was a very confusing thing, and mm-hmm. until I was 14, I just was like, "Well, the reason I don't fit in anywhere must be because I'm Iranian." Yeah. But then I went to Iran, and I was like, "Well, I'm clearly not Iranian." Yeah. Like my cousins who were born there and came up there, so I was very much like, "Where do I fit in?" And I've spent my whole life trying to prove to people that I belong with them, which is really not the funnest place to um, motivate oneself from. Mm-hmm. And so then I've become like an achievement machine. And the way that I thought maybe um, that if I achieved great enough things and like special enough things that then no one could deny that I belonged there. So then I would just infiltrate like fancy white elite institution after another yep. and try to prove myself that I belong there. And I'm really good at doing that. And I because I also I, find, I choose things that I care about, like my schooling or going to Chez Panisse or whatever. But finally, at age ripe old age of 39, I've realized like, oh, OK, maybe I don't have to be. Like I'm trying to be better about not being an achievement machine, but all of that has led to me learning how to make other people around me feel really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's second nature to me to like show up in a room, sort of sense what's going on and figure out how to be so that I can put everyone else at ease. And that in a lot of ways is not the greatest thing for my own sanity, but um, it allows me to do that with people. And what was interesting about making the show was that um, people kept saying, you're a natural, you're so good at this, you're a natural. And I didn't know what that meant. And eventually I started to realize it just meant I act the same mm. when the cameras are on yeah. and when they're off. And but and then I started to realize, oh, it's hard for other people to not to act the same because it is distracting. There's 20 people standing here, three cameras pointed at us. They're all talking and often they're talking about you and saying yeah. your name. So how do you not tune into like you have to know how to selectively listen and there's a lot to do it's a skill for sure and you also have to stop and do stuff over and over and over Mm. which for a perfectionist or even in semi-perfectionist can feel like oh no i did something wrong 
but it's not because you did something wrong. It's just for a million reasons you have to do things over. So after a day or two of filming, once I got a hang of, I learned certain things. Like they're not, when they're saying those things, they're not talking to me or doing it over is not my fault. I don't need to feel bad and take it personally. Then I would get better at showing up wherever we were going and talking to whatever grandma or cheese guy or and be like, and if I didn't speak their language, I'd get the interpreter to come and say like, listen, like, just so you know, like, this is going to be a weird thing. Just look at me. Be here with me. Like, you don't have to pay attention to those cameras. Don't look at them. We're going to have to do stuff over again. It's not your fault. You know, I just explained all the stuff that I had just got sort of mm. realized for my own self so that then if I could put that person at ease, then we could have the most special interaction and that would make the best TV. So um, it was this weird thing that like no one taught me, but I was like, oh, this is the culmination of my whole life of being a people pleaser, you know, is that I'm good. I found this weird one thing that I'm really good at. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, therapy. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. Pretty good therapy. Yeah. 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 I feel feel like I've learned something too. Definitely. Yeah. Are we going to do lots of likes? I think we should. Are you familiar with our game, Lots of Likes? No, tell me, tell me, tell me. Oh, God. Samina, it means you have not listened to a single episode. And <laughs> I fully have listened to a single episode. Been I just listen. Like... No, I listen. I li- let me <laughs> tell you when I listen. I listen as I'm falling asleep. Oh, you never make it to the end. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I can't think of anything more soothing than our voices, Lori. Uh, I, the, I can the, relate. like inane chit chat just really yeah, puts me right to bed. I can relate. Yeah. The other day I was on a flight and I always fall asleep like right after takeoff and I was listening to our favorite Canadian podcast, yeah. Retail Nightmares. Beautiful. And, uh, and I love it so much and I love everything they have to say and I'm listening but I'm also falling asleep. And then they said the name of our podcast <laughs> and I woke right up. <laughs> And I went back and I listened to the parts that I had slept through, but um, sure. wow, they got sure. my attention by saying carb face. Well, that's pretty I, funny. <laughs> Jessica and Alicia, thank you. And also a, a special hello to uh, Farmer Man. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for Farmer Man. I feel like he needs some social supports. I feel like he could get together with Asimov and they could have a great time. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Are you familiar yeah. with Asimov? No. Okay, it's the voice. So. Oh, yes, just, I do know okay. Asimov. I do know Asimov. Yes. Asimov. <laughs> I'd like to tell you, I like your show very much. It's very exciting. It's wonderful to see you travel and to eat things and be delighted. It's wonderful the faces that you make. I love all of them. Keep being you. That's what as a mom uh-huh. would say. Uh-huh. Okay. What would my mom say? Oh God. <laughs> um I think she'd be concerned that perhaps you didn't cook the tadi long enough. It's not crispy enough. But do you know what I loved about that scene? When she said it's okay, it all you know, it tastes so good. It doesn't matter if it breaks, it tastes so good. What would your mom say? Well, my mom did say for like days after we filmed, she just would call and text me and apologize. She's like, I'm so sorry I didn't do it right. I'm so sorry I got Aww. it wrong. I like if I had known this, I would have done it better this way. If I had known because she didn't you know, my mom's not really on the internet. Yeah. She doesn't really know what Netflix is. She doesn't really text. So like a text is a big deal for yeah. my mom. And um, I, I know she knows that I wrote a book. I know she knows th- that it did well, you mm-hmm. know, was successful. Mm-hmm. I know she knew that she was coming and that I was making a show. She didn't really fully understand she was going to be on it. Okay. And I don't, and she also didn't understand that it was my show. Huh. So, yeah. um in the middle of taping, like in the middle of the scene, she stopped, she just was like, she just looked up to Caroline, to the director, and was like, Caroline, where do you work? 
<laughs> I love her. She was trying in the middle of this whole thing we're making rice, and she was trying to understand like what she was doing there, you right. know, and wow. like what was this thing, and and I, I still think she doesn't fully understand. Although I did send her a picture of like the Times Square billboard, and she oh that kind of landed. But I think um, I think she's being recognized a little bit now too. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that will. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't. Oh, or she called me one day and she's like, "My physical therapist loves your show." <laughs> <laughs> like, Home run. There you go. Yeah. Home yeah. run. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. Uh, your your mother is especially wonderful. The way they the the show treats her with a great deal of respect, mm-hmm. a great deal, and also and also poking fun, and also at both of us. This is your mom, to- totally. And she is going to just wander into the camera <laughs> scene. You know, she's just going to be in the background while you're <laughs> wrapping utensils. You know, yeah. cutlery, doing and, this like yeah. meaningful <laughs> soliloquy and like my just your mom. <laughs> in the background <laughs> walking by it's so funny she um the guy who edited that episode was so good he um he's like super good friends i think with jerry seinfeld okay and he works on that ep- that show the comedians and cars drinking yeah. coffee uh-huh. and he has such good comic timing oh, i feel like that episode just like he nailed it and he did just the right amount of sort of making fun of her making fun of me without making it like gratuitous you know absolutely yeah yeah and everybody's treated with a lot of respect yeah. and love but yeah. also but also you're like it's a people. universal yeah. like mother-daughter relationship it's pretty great yeah it's pretty great <laughs> so back to lots of likes lots sorry of guys likes. no don't yeah. be sorry yeah. we are all about derailing thank you yeah oh that's my favorite show <laughs> <laughs> uh so lots of likes is real simple it's i mean to call it a game is really to probably treat it with more respect than it deserves yeah. uh it's basically we just say what do you like and you tell us things that you like okay and um Fine. it's just positive and uh there's a couple ways to quote unquote win the game yep. one is just to um run out of time which i feel you like we're, we're close um and one way is to get fed up and tell chris to fuck off Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Which yeah, I don't absolutely. feel like is going to happen. But I feel like I'm you not could getting oh, that vibe. I in don't this know. Room. You should make that your goal. I so Jen Ag did it because yeah. we just kept, yeah, you know, going at her when yeah. this game was invented. I think nothing. There could be nothing better than you telling me to fuck off. That would be I, amazing. I'm trying to imagine what it would take, but let's see. Okay, let's try to get you there. Okay. <laughs> hey, Samin. Hi, Chris. What do you like? I like puppies. Great. What else? I like kids. What else? I like sheepskins. Sure, why not? Cozy things. Let's talk about it. Are Flowers. you going to sleep with one? Go back to sheepskins. Oh, go back to what sheepskins. are we doing? What do I do? I put them all over my house, as many as I can have. I have them in the bathroom as a bath mat. I have wow. them all over my couch. Wow, wow. I have them on the ground as rugs. And if you give me more, oh, I put some on chairs. Okay. If you give me more, I'd find places to put them. Can you smell the sheep in on, them? Well, on the ones that I have bought from Ikea, as they call it in Italy. Ikea. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, no, but um, there's, w- there, there's one I bought from a farm in the Bay Area, and yeah. there's one that my friend Sarah gave me from a sheep that um, she raised, and we killed and I cooked, and yeah. I got this like as the, as the like, commemorative sort of thing. And on those, when they get wet, yes. I can't say I can smell the, the sheep, but it's like a little more natural smell. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Having raised sheep and sheared sheep, that's why I was asking, because uh-huh. the funk and musk is... It's real strong. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, we've talked, we talked with Bourdain about me riding sheep. That's right. You rode some sheep? Yeah, my brothers, uh, when I was little, 
uh, would have me climb on the back of the sheep and just have it go off racing after we sheared it, <laughs> then the joke would be throw me on the back of it and just hold on. Hold on to nothing, right? Hold you just on, hold on you to can't the hold skin? On. You just have to hold on to skin. There's Ooh. nothing. There's nothing. It's wrinkly, nasty That's skin. What so else do you grand. like? Um, um, Parmesan cheese, mm. ketchup. I like. Together? Mm, I don't know if I've ever had them together. Okay. But I'm sure they were just so close. I wasn't sure if you were pairing them. They're delicious things. Fine. What I else? love ice cream. Flavors. Poetry. Um, I'm getting. Poetry. I'm getting ahead of you. Poetry. No, I do because when, I was, when I was in high school, my mm-hmm. two favorite things were ice cream and poetry. <laughs> and I wanted to open an ice cream store called The Emperor of Ice Cream, named after a Wallace Stevens poem. And then all the ice cream flavors would be poetic illusions. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I feel like you could still do that. You could make this that is happen. the time for that right, to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I believe if that is your dream, you could actually do it, it right now. It kind of is a dream way back there. Yeah. Um, what's my favorite flavor? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I really like Hagen Dazs coffee. That's been a lifelong mm-hmm. favorite. Um, I also enjoy mint chip Fine And cookies and cream Sure Sometimes a company will make A cookies and chip Cookies and mint Making mm. mint and cookies Yeah uh, I enjoy that as well Okay are we talking like a uh, uh, Buzz marketing brand names Like an Oreo cookie Or are we talking more oh. of a cookie dough No no like an Oreo cookie Okay fine With a mint ice cream yeah, base Yeah yeah Oh that sounds mm-hmm. really good Enjoy mm-hmm. that um, What else do you like I like Um Ooh, I like it. Ooh, this is a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> I like it when like I am in some position where I get upgraded to business class. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Air horn. <laughs> air horn. Mm-hmm. I like it. I. What else do I like? Um, just anything soft. Like like, al- what like do you alpaca mean? thing, oh, like okay. soft textiles. Oh, got it. I like um, people who make things by hand. Okay. Um, what, what else? else do I like? What else do you like? Um, I like shoes that are comfortable. Hmm. Describe. Um, like a Birkenstock Fine. or a Clark's. You I have a knee situation. I do it. live in Berkeley. Okay. Yes, I feel always great stress coming to New York packing shoes. It stresses me out so <laughs> much. You should just check me out because I wear extra wide sneakers <laughs> that look like I work in a nursing home. And I got like, it. My therapist wears those and staring at his feet every week. I'm always like, really? I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comfort. Right, we, we need two more, and then you've run out the clock. You are going oh, to win this. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Two more. Um, oh, obviously, I like Sour Sketty. Yeah. Sour Sketty. Yeah. Done. Yeah. One more. Um, Take us home. Make it big. <laughs> um, I like reading. Yay. <laughs> you like reading? Reading is fundamental. Reading? It's fundamental. All reading right. I need rainbow. an extra, extra round. Okay. What's your weirdest? Um, ooh. I don't ooh. weirdest like. Mm. Get oh, personal? carob. Ooh. Whoa. Controversial. That was good. I don't like it instead so of chocolate. Berkeley. I like it in addition to chocolate uh-huh. as its own separate thing. Okay. Uh-huh. And from one of our guests, they've asked one more. Do you like blizzards from oh, DQ? Oh, 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 we don't have a Dairy Queen in Berkeley. We have a Foster's Freeze, which is like Fine. a similar thing. I love a blizzard. Yeah. What are you going to do? Obviously, Oreo cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Suggestion: add some fudge at the end. Oh, great! They'll idea. put it right in the middle. <gasps> Think that about sounds it. Wow. So good. Think about it. We do it in Cape May every year. Cape May, New Jersey. The DQ in Cape May. With that, Samin. <laughs> you guys, can we hold hands? Yeah. Wow. I feel okay. like I, I don't want to hold Lori's hand, but I'll hold, hold yours. <laughs> Am I freaking Lori out? I'm like not she's really not a, a toucher, hugger and a toucher. But but she's like, here. No, no, no. no, no. Fine. Hold but on I to will that always hand. make an exception yeah, yeah, yeah. for people who 
are, truly believe it. And also yeah. at the end of a 12-step meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. I okay. think... Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being Lori's friend. Thank you for being my friend. So I, glad to meet you. I know I just gave, like showed my hand that I hadn't listened all the way to the end of a podcast. <laughs> We're teasing. But <laughs> some of them are very <laughs> long. Joke. Yeah. But I will say I very much appreciate um, your dryness. Your guys' mm. dryness. Mm. Bone dry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The dryness is very, very refreshing for me in my life. So okay. thank you. Good. We add so much salt. <laughs> <laughs> JK. Goodbye. Okay, Goodbye. bye.